going live here we are boys and girls thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of before you kill yourself podcast episode number 10 today well before i even get into that remember uh call 1-800-SUICIDE if there's someone you need to talk to if you're thinking about it if there's someone that you know is thinking about it if you have thought about it uh just give them a call and uh or call someone it doesn't have to be them call a stranger open up the phone book you know have some fun open up the phone book wait does anybody have a phone book anymore just go through your call someone and just talk to, you'd be surprised at and it is actually this is probably horrible advice because you never know what somebody's going to say on the other end of the line but uh, but but call one eight hundred suicide for sure, and uh, if if they're busy, I've I've had people tell me that that they've called and uh, the line's been busy. There are uh, a number of other uh, resources and, and places that you can call. Hold on, let me get the let me get the list. Let me get the I have a list, and it is so you have. Uh, Suicide Prevention Center, which is 1-877-727-4747. You have the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-TALK. You have 1-800-SUICIDE. There's a teen line. All this is listed in the show notes. I always list these phone numbers in the show notes. But um, there's a there's the Trevor Project, which serves the LGBTQ community. Uh, which is one eight six six four eight eight seven three eight six, and then you have the National Domestic Violence Hotline one eight hundred seven nine nine SAFE, and then you have the Crisis Text Line. Everybody, everybody wants to text today. You can text Connect to seven four one seven four one, and then you have the Lifeline Chat. You have Suicide Prevention Lifeline dot org forward slash chat so there are plenty of resources whether you want to talk to somebody or you want to text someone um there's someone out there who is willing to hear and listen and accept and validate and and help you process through your emotions and your thoughts um and so please pick up the phone call someone and uh Thank you, guys. Uh, so today, we're, what, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk today about parents uh, of children who have suicidal ideations. And, and, and this is something that, you know, all these podcast episodes are inspired by my, you know, what, what comes up for me in real life. And recently I've had a number of parents uh, talk to me about their children who um, are have expressed suicidal uh, ideations or demonstrating some type of uh, suicidal tendencies and uh, are just feeling at a loss, even though like they've been a therapist. And I, I, let me, I just want to read you uh, one story that, that I received from a parent. Uh, I just wanted to let you know how much your podcast has touched me. It has been so informative and helpful for me as a parent to a teen who has expressed their desire to end their life and not knowing how to relate and how to help. Uh, 
I feel so helpless and have tried to find therapists for her to talk to. But everyone that I've reached out to has either never gotten back to me or told me that they are no longer taking patients. It is so frustrating. Thank you for taking this subject on and talking about it. Keep doing what you're doing. You are awesome. That I am completely floored by the number of the fact that there are therapists who say we're not taking any more patients. Um, And obviously that's the case. There are only so many hours in the day. I understand that. But if you're going to do that as a therapist, then say, listen, I I can't take you on. But here are the numbers to two, three, four, five, six other therapists who can. Just don't leave the person out there in the blue. I hope that's not what's happening. It feels like that's what's happening from uh, the letter. But I hope that's not what is uh, taking place You should definitely, if you can't, like, I'm a personal trainer also, and, you know, if there's a client that I can't take on at a certain time, I'm always refer. I'm like, uh, well, I could refer you to this person, or if somebody um, has goals that I feel like I I can't address um, that I'm not best suited for, I go, hey, here's another trainer for you, or here's another resource for you to find another trainer. There's, like, you, you never just closing the door on people you're always referring or giving them options people need to feel like they have options um and so it's sad uh, and disappointing to hear uh uh that story from her and uh but i'm glad she, she's finding some solace in uh my podcast which is why i keep doing what well, that's why i do what i do man it, because it's just it's it's crazy to me that people Um, are seeking resources and then I had um, you know I had a parent the other night tell me that they went to therapy uh, with their kid and they said the therapist just was just kind of sitting there and not really engaged or active or they didn't feel like it it was a meaningful time spent and and you know not every therapist is suited just because they have a PhD since they have a, a bunch of plaques on the wall and certifications and I went to Harvard just because they have all that all the accoutrements I like to call, I like to say accoutrements just because they have all of that all the they have oak in their office you know what I'm saying they have the little timepiece just because they have all of those shenanigans they have a soft couch nice leather sofa a little secretary does not mean that they are qualified to handle your specific situation. Every therapist has their strengths and their weaknesses. And and also, you have to find even a, a, a therapist who is at the top of their game and, and incredible and a world, world-renowned, um, you just may not vibe with them or connect with them or the, the rapport is just not there for whatever reason i got these look at those pillows right there just a complete disrespect of my background right there i can't can't believe this is the background i chose uh for podcast listeners i'm also doing this live on uh youtube and i'm just noticing how i I did not set up my background uh at all anyway so uh but today what we're going to get into are the uh you know how many how many ways do we have here we're gonna go we have a a bunch of ways for parents to so 15 ways for parents 
to, uh, and this is just accumulated from the different resources I've, I've looked up, um, for parents to handle uh, and manage uh, having a child who is expressing suicidal ideations and thoughts. And so uh, let's get into it. And uh, what's today? Podcast. Boom, boom, boom. Um, well, number one is don't let it snowball. You know, I, a lot of times I, I think when our when our kids and I don't have kids, but I've worked with kids in group homes and and definitely kids who have expressed uh, uh, taking their life. And I've even uh, counseled uh, kids, teenagers who have uh, attempted suicide. And sometimes I, I can see as a parent, you know, because the, the kids emotions are so intense and they want to isolate themselves and shut the door. Uh, that we kind of, uh, our response then may be to back off and just give them space. But really, that's when we need to, as Sheryl Sandberg says, lean in. And that doesn't mean get aggressive and invade their space and kick the door open and things like that. But it does mean that we need to sit on the edge of their bed and ask them how they're feeling. And, and, and more importantly, if they are feeling sad, if they are feeling melancholy, ask them, do you feel, ask them if they feel comfortable enough talking to you or your other spouse about it. If their answer is no, then you ask them, do they have someone that they do feel comfortable talking about their feelings with? If that answer is no, then you we definitely need to uh Find someone, a therapist, school counselor, teacher, someone that they do feel comfortable with or ask them why they don't feel comfortable uh, talking to you. And, and really, and, and whatever their response is, make sure you're not defensive. Because they'll be like, well, you and mom are just never around or uh, I, I try to tell you stuff and you guys blah, blah, blah. Validate their response validate their emotions say you know what i understand why you wouldn't want to talk to me or your mom or or you know uh, because of such and such that completely makes sense you know what can we do to make you feel more uh, invited would would writing a letter to us be better should we write a letter to you uh, a little texting back like any means of communication it doesn't always have to be verbal it could be uh, through art. It could be through music. I send you a song, you send me a song. Whatever it is, you're just trying to keep the dialogue going. You're just trying to open the door. Because remember, kids are always communicating. People go, well, my kid doesn't, doesn't say anything. No, your kid is communicating. They're communicating with their music. They're communicating with their silence. They're communicating with their clothes with the, with the uh the way they eat or maybe they stopped eating um or, you know their social their activity levels are they going outside or not um so they're always communicating so never uh what I do oh okay um so don't don't let their depressive symptoms uh just snowball and and you step back and and do nothing um, you talk to them and you find out if they have someone to talk to. And if they don't, if that answer is no, then we have to find someone. We have to p- 
present them at the very least present them with options give them phone numbers that they can call and let them know that they can call it call the phone you know what sit down with your kid and call 1-800-SUICIDE with your kid call that number with your kid and a person on the other end of the line will help you um uh work that through uh the second thing is that we want to do if we're a parent uh, dealing with a kid who uh, is expressing uh, suicide or has had suicide attempts, um, listen to them. And we, we mentioned this already. Listen to what they say. Listen to the emotions in their word. Are they expressing a lot of uh, hopelessness, sadness? Are there a lot of I statements? Um, are they saying like, uh, you know, like Pete Davidson was saying how he doesn't want to be on this uh earth anymore or that what's the point of getting out of bed are there are there tones of uh hopelessness in their voice um listen to what they're saying because they're always they're they're always trying to communicate with you um in ways that uh are subtle and so we definitely want to be uh tuned in to uh the music that they're listening to uh, look at their body weight are they gaining weight because that that's a communication right if they if your child is uh gaining weight then they are communicating something to you they are uh, letting you know they're not happy or they they need to feel protected or are they losing weight not eating um are they are they communicating peer pressure are their friends talking to them about drugs or sex and trying to push them in a direction that they um are, are uncomfortable with um is there any type of public shaming taking place whether sometimes it comes from the teacher or the coach right if there's any public shaming taking place is there a major loss like a breakup or maybe the team lost or they feel like it was their fault you know they were the kicker or the quarterback things like that um did somebody in their school die or somebody that they looked up to, a celebrity, was there a celebrity death? So listen to the words and, and take those things very seriously because, remember, your children are always communicating with you, um, whether it's verbally or nonverbally. And, and most of communication, as we remember, is uh, nonverbal. So you want to listen to those things and, and take it all seriously and just – and the key is when you hear, when your kid is talking, dig deeper, ask more questions. What does that mean for you? How do you feel about that? Really getting them to process their feelings. How do you feel about that? What else are you feeling? Um, how do your friends feel about that? Uh, how are you handling this? What, how, what's another way of looking at this? Like getting them to zoom out and expand. And as parents, I think we always feel like, um, I say we like I have kids, um, but as parents, but as people always feel like we have to have the answer when somebody presents us with an issue or a problem. And we don't. The, the only person that has the solution is the person. Now, we can help them flush it out and we can help them find it and guide them to it and things of that nature. But we we don't have the answer for them only that person has it and only way we can get them to get to the answer is to help them unravel the layers of their emotions and thoughts and ideas right so asking those questions 
being a little bugaboo. Kids hate it, but you, you got it. But at the same time, they love it, and it and on some level, they know that you care because you're always uh, uh, there sitting at the end of their bed, right? Um, the third thing is never shrug off threats of suicide as typical teenage melodrama, right? Because a lot of times, if these kids are saying things like, you know, nothing matters, I wonder how many people would come to my funeral. Sometimes I wish I could just go to sleep and never wake up. Everyone would be better off without me. You wouldn't have to worry about me much. You won't have to worry about me much longer. If they're saying things like that, then we have to take those things seriously and explore where that is coming from. Nothing matters. Uh, you know, what does that mean? Nothing matters. Uh, you know, your, your family doesn't matter. The world doesn't matter. Um, so you're just really trying to get to the source of, because we all, I mean, listen, like most people have like all or nothing, like, oh, this day sucks, life sucks, blah, blah. We all like spot off those things. And, and, but most of us are, aware that it's a, a temporary thing but when we're talking about children we're talking about teenagers and 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 uh especially in middle school and teen where everything is just so black and white um it really could feel to them like nothing in the world matters and it's the it's the end all uh to be all and so you have to get them to and i keep using this word uh zoom out and and really explore deeply what why they feel the way they do and um and also help them explore it like if your kid's saying to you i wonder how many people would come to my funeral and you know have them play it out how many people would come to your funeral you know and and what would they say and what would you like them to say and because what you're doing is you're, you're validating them and and then because i think what happens is if you help them explore their funeral, because let's get this straight. There's nothing wrong with talking about death. I actually think, and a lot of philosophers, Dr. Alan Watts uh, being one of them, and uh, uh, Viktor Frankl, like exploring death and talking about death. Uh, Steve Jobs, also uh, you know, founder of Apple. Um, it can be very uh, liberating and very engaging uh, for you be, you know, and I'm not talking about suicide, uh, but, but to talk about death, um, to just as a reminder of how impermanent things are and that there's a timeline on, uh, our life here on earth. Um, that is a good exercise because it, it creates an urgency of things that need to happen. So, you know, if your kid is saying, how many people will come to my funeral, you know, a good exercise would be to be like, well, what would you want them to say? Like, what would they say? And then what do you, would you want them to say? Because n now you're, you're getting them to, to expand and think about their life and, and what's important to them and what they value um, and, and reasons for living, you know? Um, so, you know, if a kid's saying, sometimes I wish I could go to sleep and never wake up, like, uh, it's like, and, and what do you think, that what will happen after that because a lot of times kids just think about uh the incident itself like they go well if i fall asleep and never wake up then that's that but they don't think about um the fact that you know you, your parents that you're going to walk in and find the body that they can no longer go to school or go see a movie 
or uh, find new love. They, they don't think about all the other things that it also ends. They just think about the pain ending and they don't think about all the other great things uh, in life that are coming up uh, that it also ends and the opportunities that it ends and, and the and the fun times and the love and the hope and the disaster and all. It's like there's something that they want ended. It's not that usually they don't want their life to end. They just want whatever pain is in their life to end. And if you can get to the source of their pain, right, figure out what their pain is, um, and then we can then we can really start to dig deeper in there. So don't be afraid of these statements. Go deeper into these statements. Explore it more. And you're not going to get it all in one shot, right? Um, you know, number four, because I understand that what we're asking of you is, is very health um, hard, but seek professional help right away. You know, whether it's uh, talk to your – if you have a pediatrician, talk to your pediatrician because they also have linked to resources. Uh, uh, talk to your school counselor. Talk to the teachers, uh, therapists, uh groups there's someone that you can talk to that can at least guide you and at the very least make you feel like you're not alone in this journey um and when we talk about professional help not just for your kids but also for yourself uh you yourself need to process your emotions and thoughts and feelings uh going uh forward with this so you know seeking professional help for both of you but it'd be great if you uh as a unit can go into therapy uh, together and if it doesn't have to be every month, I understand that in some in some instances it could be very expensive or costly. Even if you just go once a month, every just do something, get something on a calendar, have it regular, just so that you know that it's something at some point that you both can go to to help you process whatever is uh, taking place. Right? It doesn't have to be every day or every week, but just something to to get you going i go to the dentist i go to the dentist six times uh, or twice a, a month or a year actually i go every three months now uh that's but that's because i'm ocd um so go every you know get help and and check in and then there's also a lot of professionals you can see them once live and then have like a weekly video check-in or a text check-in or what have you but have something set up that's financially feasible for you. You don't have to find the best doctor, but you do just have to have someone that you feel like is in your corner helping you out. Uh, and don't be afraid to talk to your family members because you'll be surprised at how many, you know, who else in your family may be struggling with this and may have been ashamed to talk about it. And then that can be um, an extra outlet for you. But definitely seek professional uh, help. Uh, share your feelings uh, is, a, is a number one. That's number five. Share your feelings, um, and and not and not with your kid, obviously. But but yeah, with your kid in a way of in terms of empathy, right? Because your kid will be expressing uh, sadness and melancholy and despair, and 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 to open up with your your child about when you felt like that. And how you were able to cope with it and and then saying, like, I understand that, you know, the way I did it may not be the way you want to do it. But here's how 
I dealt with it and here's how I coped with it. But I definitely felt the way that you have. And sometimes to this day, I still, and if you can give even a current, I think as parents, a lot of times we look at our children as children. And I, and I think um, if you look at them as a person, right, as a person, as an individual, um, you realize in order to establish rapport between two people, two people both have to share their feelings and what they're going through, right? When you think about the people who um, you go, man, I just feel like I know that person. Well, it's probably because that person shared a lot with you and you shared a lot with that person. That's why you feel connected. But sometimes as parents, we try to isolate our children from our feelings and what we're going through. But children are very perceptive and they can read a lot of it. So if there's things that you are that you think you're walling off or hiding, like I'm sure my mom thought she was hiding a lot of stuff that I was I was more than aware of, but just never brought out. Your children are really perceptive and they're watching you and they're around you and they notice uh, changes in you and in your dynamic in your marriage and things like that and they may not say anything but they're definitely picking it up on some type of uh, uh, subconscious if not uh, conscious level so share your feelings of sadness of it doesn't have to be about suicide if you've never experienced suicide you don't have to say uh, you know you, you don't have to relate in that way but because nine times out of ten, your, your kid will be talking to you about not necessarily suicide, but, uh, it, you know, it going through loss or breakup or being bullied in school or being shamed. And, and just things that common things that we've all have experienced on some level or not. And so to relate and connect with your kid on that level. Uh, number six, encourage your teen not to isolate uh, themselves. Uh from family and friends because, you know, a lot of teenagers will close the door and they'll try to sleep their life away. And, you, you know, you don't want to force them into social situations, but you do want to encourage and prevent uh, and present opportunities for them to be social, to, to be around friends, uh, to not isolate, uh, but also encourage them to really open up about what they're feeling. If your kid is journaling and, uh, you know, there are, you know, it's aggressive and they're just kind of stabbing at the pages um, to maybe encourage them to talk to their friends about it or talk to someone. But because a lot of times and I've read these stories where, you know, the a kid will who has completed suicide, uh, they were social and they did have friends. But what they didn't do, what the kid didn't do was really share their shame or their guilt or their feeling of isolation. They were around a lot of people, but never really felt connected for one reason or the other. So they never they never expressed their uh, quote-unquote negative emotions, even with the people they were surrounded by. So you want to encourage that, and you also want to practice that yourself. You know, instead of everything's great, everything's good, which we as a society tend to do. We're not just talking about children. It's also something that um, as a society – we do. We just act like everything's good and everything's great, and we're we're afraid to express the nuances of I'm bothered or I'm hurt. I was in the gym this morning, and this dude was. It's a very small gym in a hotel, very small, and this guy was on the phone. And not only was he on the phone talking, he has little earbuds, and he's like, "Yeah, man." So we was out partying, getting our drink on. And it's like eight o'clock in the morning. It's eight o'clock in the morning. 
It's the gym. Nobody wants to hear about you getting drunk and wasted at eight o'clock in the morning in the gym. We're all trying to we're here to get healthy, get stronger. And you're coming in with this bravado. And uh, and there's a huge sign that says no cell phones on in the gym. Do not talk on your cell phones. Don't take pictures. The cell phones aren't even allowed in the gym. Now, I did have my cell phone on me, but it's because I got my timer on there. So, you know, don't be mad at me. And this guy. So finally, I just said, I go, excuse me, sir. Uh, no cell phones on in the gym. And he looked at me and he goes, is it bothering you? And I was like, and instead of saying yes, because it, it was bothering me. And it was, <laughs> I was so angry. I just said, uh, and I just looked at him. I didn't, actually, I didn't say anything. And he goes, you want me to get off? I was like, no cell. And I repeated, I said, no cell phones uh, allowed in the gym. And then he was like, well, I didn't see the sign. I was like, well, the sign's right over there, sir. And then he got up and he went to go look at the sign. He was like, this guy wants me to get off the phone. And then he got off the phone. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. But uh, and I was like, yeah, that's right. That's right, Leo, man of the people. And but it was bothering me. And so we and I had such a hard time confirming what he what he said. He's like, is it bothering you? And I don't know why. Like if I had like if it was something that was great, I was like, are you having a great time? Yeah, I'm having a great time. But if somebody's like, is that bothering you? No, 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 it's not bothering me. Like (laughs) we as a society just don't like to admit that something's bothering us. Like everything's fine and peachy keen. So teaching, showing, demonstrating, uh, you know, uh, that it's okay to talk about those feelings, um, uh, like being bothered or hurt, um, though it's really important, right? Uh, number seven is exercise. Make sure your kid is, is uh, he doesn't have to be running around, he or she doesn't have to be running around doing burpees, but, you know, if they're getting, get outside, man. I can't emphasize just even going for a walk or, um, you know, getting the sun. Group exercise is better. Group exercise outside is the best, you know. Um, and so just getting them moving. 20 minutes. If, they're, if they've been in there, you know, if it's the weekend, and usually on the weekends, you know, if the, if the kid's depressed, they usually won't go out. But just to make sure, first thing in the morning, like, first thing in the morning, I go to the gym because I know – that's when I my willpower is at its highest. First thing in the morning, I'm ready to eat the world first thing in the morning. And then as the day wanes, I'm like, yeah, screw the world. I'm just going to stay inside. But to get outside, to get up, get going, get moving, it's just an amazing thing. And so just taking them for a walk. If you have a dog, make sure they take the dog out for a walk. Do not let your kids wake up and then just plop down on the couch. Get them up. Get them moving. And, that, you know, and you have to encourage them and you go with them. Don't let them see you just sitting around uh, either. Monkey see, monkey do, you know. Uh, number eight, urge your teen not to demand too much of him or herself. I think this is like you hear so many stories about students who uh, were A students and just killing life and, and just conquering the world. Uh, uh, you know, they were top of this. They were captain of this, and et cetera, et cetera. They got accepted into this college, and then they still take their they still uh, take their life. And um, a lot of times it's because they're like, I can't keep up at this rate. Like they're, they're in their back of their head, they're like, There's no way for the rest of like the rest of my life, 
I can maintain this uh, this altitude. I can't maintain this this uh, the speed, you know, like a Porsche. A Porsche can't do 180 miles per hour there, you know. At some point, the engine burns out. And I think a lot of kids feel like they always, because they've always been going at 180, that they'll always have to go at 180, and there's no break. And they're just like, man, I'm done. Um, so have them scale back. You know, I think it's the Mormons. Don't quote me on this one. But I believe it's the Mormons that um, – when the kid turns 18, th- for two years, uh, they kick them out. Uh, I don't want to say kick them out, but they send them out. They basically do kick them out. They send them out into the world, unprotected by the Mormon religion and culture, and tell them to uh, live life out in a secular world for two years. And after two years, if they want to come back, they can. Right? So they've been raising them a certain way. And... You know, a lot of if you go to Europe, a lot of uh, students take a gap year from between high school and college, just a year to explore the world and have fun. And it's crazy to me that we as uh, Americans uh, don't do it. And I get it because we're, we're a socialistic society and, and our everything financially, I think it's more of a financial thing for us than it is uh, in Europe. But, you know. If your if your kids have been thriving and killing it at life, encourage them to say, "Hey, if you want to take a year off before you go to college and just see the world and just explore, just to give your kid that window, that that breath of fresh air to let them know they don't have to stay on this treadmill forever, and then see if you even want to go to college." Because here's the thing, I think a lot of parents think they have to get them from high school to college, and boom, 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 right? If you have a kid who's 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 killing it in college or at high school um, and they're getting straight A's, that that's a part of that work ethic is a part of who they are. So whether or not they go to college or not, they're still going to take with them the work ethic that they need to succeed in life. The college degree doesn't guarantee you anything. It doesn't guarantee we there's so many college graduates who are struggling through life and and the ones who you think are thriving are actually just barely getting by because of the bills and, and whatever else. So to in, to to make sure your kid, you know, summer vacation, make sure it's a summer vacation. Right? Don't have your kids going nonstop and or making them feel like they have to go nonstop. Forever, you know, to get them from one program to this program. They go from school and, and to band, and then they take a language, and da, 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 da. like that's all great on paper. But you're, you're, everyone needs a siesta or a break or a gap year or a, what do they call it in sabbatical, right? Like take a take takes a leave of absence, right? Get out of there. Uh, so, so number eight, like I said, is urge your teen not to demand too much of him or herself. Number nine, remind your teen who is undergoing treatment not to expect immediate results. So a lot of, a lot of people, they, you know, they go for a couple weeks or a few months and they expect immediate results. It's not going to happen. It's, we're probably looking at years 
And the reason is uh, children, especially males, like their frontal lobe cortex, the part or, uh, that controls thinking, right, and logic, that's not fully developed until you're 25. So until that point, you're, you're running on pretty much your amygdala, which is fight or flight. You're just reacting. It's not until about 25 that you actually start responding uh, to life. So you're definitely not going to get immediate results um, uh, from treatment because your brain, the thinking logical part of your brain is still developing and won't be done developing until you're 25. And if you've undergone physical abuse, uh, either through football, boxing, uh, anything that uh, where you've incurred any type of head trauma or you've been abused as a kid, uh, fights and bullying, or maybe even your your uh, your parents, then um, it could take even longer because then your your brain's just been kind of sloshing around and they're uh, swelling up, and so taking longer for that type of development. Now you're looking at thirty or thirty five, right? So treatment's not going to be quick, uh, but you will see improvement. But remember, improvement does not mean better. It just means improvement. And when you do start to feel better, that's when the real work begins. The goal is not to get you to feel better. It's, it's to get you to better. And then we really can get deep into uh, uh, um, the, the real treatment of it, right? Uh, number 10, if you keep guns at home, uh, store them safely or remove all firearms. So get those guns out your house, parents. Get those guns out your house. If you have guns in the house, get them out your house. If uh, and then and this is a, the, another good reason why you want to know who uh, your your children are hanging out with. That they're hanging out with kids who have access to guns. Uh, well, then you have to find a way to limit that, uh, or at least just be aware of it and and uh, talk to the parents and make sure that the, the kids don't have access to the guns uh, when you're not around, right? So limit access to firearms. All right, so we have five more here. Uh, you want to minimize conflict in the house. You know, things that aren't a big deal, don't make them a big deal. Um, we're not trying to micromanage our kids, right? Uh, stay focused on the big picture, which is health and wellness and education, things like that. Uh, number 12, uh, we already talked about that. Know your friends. Uh, number 13, support group. Uh, or number 12 is know your, your child's friends and uh, parents. Get to know them. But that goes back to the guns, and that's the, the real reason. Um, and you just want to know what kind of energy your, your kid is surrounding uh, themselves with uh, when you're not around. Uh, and that's why it's always good to have, if you can have, your friends' kids over to your house. Right. Instead of your kids always going over there, if you're like, oh, I don't really like kids over here. No, no. This gives you a chance to really hear and see and feel what's going on in your friend's uh, social circle and dynamics. So better to have them at your house where you can keep an eye on things. Right. Thirteen, go to a support group. And we talked about this earlier. There's, uh, uh, you know, check out National Alliance for Mental Illness, National Alliance for Mental Illness. And they will give you resources for support groups for parents, right? Um, even YMCA's will have support groups for parents 
uh, of children uh, 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 struggling with uh, suicidal ideation or mentioning suicidal ideation. Uh, number 14, uh, do not fall into crisis mode. This is the big one. So I think a lot of times when if your kid is expressing uh, thoughts of taking their life, that uh, you as a parent, you go, um, uh, oh, well, we got to do everything we can and, and throw all our resources at uh, addressing this. And, and, some, and to the detriment of your health, of your, of your life, of your safety, of your security. Um, and as much as we love our kids, th the most important thing is that we have to realize is that uh, we can't control everything and we can't, especially the future, right? So instead of going into crisis mode, this is, this, take this, this is an opportunity for you to take better care of yourself. And in their setting an example on how your kid could, uh, could take should take care of themselves right remember it's all about setting an example so you know continue taking care of yourself um you know go for walks eat well sleep uh you know read a book hang out at the coffee shop take a bubble bath journal do not let you know your do not let your health fall by the wayside because then you're definitely not going to be in any place to really help uh, uh, your, your child going through what they're going through. So make sure that you are taking care of yourself on a daily basis, daily. Have a daily routine. Daily routines are very important. You know, I, I journal, I exercise, I read, I meditate, I, I do my self-talk, uh, take a bubble bath. Even when I'm on the road, I got my lavender bubble bath ready to go. So take care of yourself, get some sunlight, eat some vegetables, all those things. Muy importante. Number 14, do not fall into crisis mode. And then last but not least, let go of your sense of control. We cannot control the future. We can do our best. We can show up. Um, and But the, at the very best, we can accept and make peace with the fact that we don't have control over the future, right? But that doesn't mean we don't do our best. So those are the 15 uh, ways that as a parent, you can um, manage and deal with uh, having a child or children who have suicidal ideations. Um, I hope that was helpful. I hope it, uh, uh, you got something from that. Like I said, you don't have to do all 15, obviously, but those are just things to be aware of. But none of this, none of this trumps you talking to someone and uh, joining a support group and uh, connecting with professionals in your area or online. None, none of this, you know, you, you have to uh, take it seriously and just keep that. Listen, at the end, just keep the line of communication open with your children. And, uh, and getting them to express their feelings and emotions. But you also as a parent, because most, I think most parents are just, you know, most people aren't really comfortable with sharing all the emotions, but processing your feelings, getting them to reframe how they're looking at the world and, and zoom out. That's my, you guys are gonna get so tired of me saying that zoom out because zooming, Depression is like, uh, 
and and not to say that everyone who uh, has suicide ideation uh, are depressed, but um, but for those who are, when you're depressed, you become very self-centered. It becomes all about you and your ego. So you have a very narrow view of the world. So you have to constantly help your child, and especially as a teenager, a teenager going through depression, they have a very myopic, a very narrow view of the world. So you're constantly helping them think about their community, their family, their country, the planet, the universe, helping them expand and grow and realize there's so much more and, and a million opportunities for things to happen um, to get them out of their black and white and all or nothing uh, type of thinking, right? So please uh, comment. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. Comment. Leave five stars. Uh, share it with a friend. Share it with someone. You know, uh, don't be a. <laughs> there's, you know, there's shame, and I'm surprised at how many people um, come up to me after a comedy show and and tell me that their their, their story about um, either them expressing having suicide ideations or attempts, or them knowing someone. And so I'm 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 loving the fact that so many people are uh, feeling less shame about it and there's less uh, uh, of a negative stigma behind it. Um, and so share the podcast with someone who you think could benefit from this, right? Uh, mention it to them. Uh, send them a, a specific episode if you think that that is, would really be helpful. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, like I said, I'm releasing these right now every Monday and Thursday and um, I'll see you, uh, see you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye.